This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. Good to see you here. God bless you. Ooh, I welcome all of you, even you by live stream. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high and we will begin today in the book of Proverbs chapter 8. We are in our second week here, the, the series on the fear of the Lord and Well, if you're a note taker, uh, get ready for some notes. If you're a crier, you better get by the uh, Kleenex boxes. It's one of those deals here that going into the week knowing what I'm gonna speak on, it just got stronger and stronger throughout the whole week. And so I believe you're gonna get to see some revelation of the Lord's heart today on this. I believe the fear of the Lord has got to become etched in our hearts. It's got to be deposited. So I I like the word of God to describe what the fear of God is. So we begin in in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, and it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Wow, now there's a definition of the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Didn't say to hate people, it said to hate evil. Now let me ask you something, how are you doing with that right there? Do do I hate evil? And you'll probably hear me mention this several times today. I've gotta get to a place in my life where I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. God hates evil. But he doesn't stop there and he said, pride and arrogance and the evil way. So God hates pride, he hates arrogance, and he hates the evil way. So when you look at the word pride or proud, it has the meaning of we think we're superior. The word haughty has the meaning that I want to use my authority over someone. And the word arrogant literally means faulty in character. So he said, hate pride and arrogance and the evil way. He ends this verse and he says, and hate the perverse mouth, or I hate the perverse mouth. So I begin to look at all this, and the hatred of these evil qualities is what God says is the fear of the Lord. So when I read that, I think, and Lord, I, I need a double dose of the fear of the Lord. I want to get to a place in my life where I love what you love and I hate what you hate. Now go back to your left just a little bit to to Proverbs, not to Proverbs, to Psalm 25, the 25th Psalm. And we're going to allow this Psalm here to give you another definition of the fear of the Lord. And it just gets over and over. You know, the more I study this, the more you realize, man, that the fear of the Lord is all out through the Bible. It's all over the place. And so it's almost like the Lord saying, you really got to get this. Psalms 25, verse 12. Who is the man, or this is the man, who fears the Lord? Better stated, the man who fears the Lord, this is what he's like. Now, as I get ready to read this, that the fear of the Lord is due honor, due reverence, and due due, uh, respect, what you're going to see here is the man who fears the Lord, there are some promises some blessings 
and some attributes that he wants to deposit in every one of us. But it all, it happens off of how well I fear the Lord. So we keep reading in verse 12. Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He will instruct you in the proper path that you should live. Better stated right here, this means that the Lord wants to give you some guidance. Does anybody in here right now need some guidance? It's tied to the fear of the Lord. Verse 13. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. He will dwell in spiritual prosperity. That God wants to prosper you. The man who fears the Lord. The last part of verse 13 and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Better stated here, future posterity to his descendants. Now I wonder right now in our society if a lot of the younger generations that are following us don't want to have anything to do with God because the example before them, we didn't fear God at all. Come on. Come on. I know that hurts. I, I wonder that. Because God's desire, he said, posterity to the future generations. But it's springboard back to those who fear God. So I, I look, stand before, have I feared God? Verse 14, the secret counsel of the Lord, the private place of companionship of the Lord is with those who fear him, those who reverence him, those who respect him. And he will show them his covenant. He will be a divine confidant. He, he only shows those ones who fear him his special places. And when it uses the word covenant, the word covenant is one of the strongest words in the entire Old Testament. And so God says, I, I, wanna, I wanna have a covenant with you like I had a covenant with Abraham, like I had a covenant with Moses. I, I wanna reveal some things to you, but it's only revealed to those who fear the Lord. Verse 14 or 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck or free my feet out of the net or the snare. And the net is a common Hebrew symbol for the dangers that are laid out by the enemy. You know what this verse right here says? God wants to deliver you. But I look at these six qualities that I just read. And every one of them were a byproduct of the fear of the Lord. So these, these attributes, these blessings are reserved for those who fear the Lord. And what I see happening more and more within our nation and within the church of America is there a growing disease, and I'm not talking about COVID, and I'm not talking about monkeypox. 
a virus called a lack of the fear of God that's being preached. I don't believe this is being preached anymore. And the reason it's not being preached is, is you see the fruit of what's not happening in our churches, what's not happening in our lives like the Bible talks about. Now, go with me way back into the Old Testament, actually to the first part, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. And let me just set the stage just a little bit where we're going in the book of Leviticus here. In Leviticus chapter 8, the high priest, which would be Aaron, and the other priest, which would be his sons, were consecrated to the Lord. In Leviticus 9, they were given all the, the tasks, the things that they were supposed to do in the house of God and even at the altar. So when they were given those instructions in chapter 9, they knew precisely what they were supposed to do. This wasn't, well, I, I wonder if we're supposed to do No, they knew. So we pick up Leviticus 10 verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Now these were priests right here, these guys. These were priests that come from an incredible family background. Their uncle was Moses and their aunt was Miriam. So each Nahab and, or Nadab and Abihu took censers and put fire in it and put incense upon it. Now, they were, they were delegated to do this, but they were told precisely, this is what you're supposed to do. So they offered profane fire before the Lord. That, that word profane literally in the Hebrew means strange or foreign or unholy. And so they offered the profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. This would be a flagrant act of disobedience. Disobedience shows up in my action. This would be a flagrant act of disrespect, which would be shown up in my attitude. So the way I draw near to God is just not in my actions, but the way I draw near to God is also in the attitude that I have before him. In other words, do I do it in a, a reverence manner or an or, or irreverence manner? Verse 2. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. They took matters into their own hands. They said, we'll live or do our own thing before God. So what you see here that took place, this was because they approached a holy God with a casual attitude and a casual behavior. And it was almost like it was carelessly. Kind of like sometimes how we come to church. Do I come to church out of obligation? Do I come to church out of duty? Do I come to church and have this thought, just hurry up and get it over with? 
And so how would you like to have been in that service that day? To watch these two godly men. And let me me remind you of something here. This didn't take place at the nightclub. This didn't take place at South Plains Mall. This took place at the church and at the altar of God. How would you like to be there that day? I would be willing to bet when those two became french fries, the fear of God came on that house. And every time I read that, I thank God for his mercy and his grace. Because I've come in here before in a casual attitude. I've come in here before. Almost like, God, we showed up. Now do what you're supposed to do. Bless us. Let us experience your presence. And let's get out of here. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Let me ask you something. If you were truthful about it, how many of you would be a french fry today? Thank you for the truth. The rest of you liars will pray for you later. <laughs> Cast that lying devil out of you. Verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke to me saying. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. A divine statement. I must be regarded as holy. I cannot treat a holy God as common or ordinary. How well are we doing? And before all the people, I must be glorified. I must have due honor, due reverence, due respect. I must be hallowed to be set apart. But those who draw near me, there's a proper way to come before God. Now I want you to look at the last part of verse 3 because there's a little nugget in here you've got to see. Look at the very end of verse 3. So Aaron held his peace. You know what that means? Aaron didn't say a word. Can you imagine this? He comes to church on a Sunday. Oh, happy day. His sons are the priest. Oh, happy day. And in a split second, their french fries are gone. But Aaron doesn't say a word. He doesn't say anything. He witnesses all this because the reason he didn't say anything, he knew you don't question the judgment of God. He knew if he opened his mouth, up in smoke, another one bites the dust. I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm going to read this to you. This is Leviticus 19, verse 30 for you note takers. And it says, you shall keep or observe my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. And reverence my sanctuary. That means they have respect for this house. 
And we grow up with generations that have no respect for the house of God. And I don't blame them. I blame that we hadn't trained them. We hadn't coached them. We haven't taught them. So a number of years ago, me and Shelly are out in Southern California. We're doing a wedding, and I was out there a number of days. And I had a good friend who was a, a, a praise and worship leader at a large church. I mean a lo- massive church. I asked him if there was any way I could get around his pastor. And so I got around this man of God, and he was, he was roughly 75, this pastor. I said to him, I said, I've really never heard of you. And he said, I'm not about being famous. And he said, I'm not about writing books. And he said, I'm only about the kingdom of God. There are many things I say to this day are direct quotes from that man. So I got around him day after day after day. We did the marriage on Saturday evening. We went to his service on Sunday morning. Very similar flow to ours, just great, great praise and worship. Just people that passionately worshiped and praised God like you guys do. He spoke the word. And then he got over to his altar call. His altar calls were so real and unique that for this next six months, I had his praise and worship leader Record every one of his altar calls. And that was back on cassettes, okay? That's how long ago it was. So for six months, I would get his altar calls. I had never been in services where the altar calls were so powerful. So he starts giving the altar call and he said, I want everybody to remain seated. I want you to remain still and quiet. And he goes into the altar call about salvation. And he's going along. His altar calls would usually be about 15 minutes. Relax, okay. I'm not saying I'm going 15 minutes. Right in the middle, he stops and he goes, Hey, you back there in the back need to sit down and be still and quiet. And I'm thinking, oh dear Jesus, what's up with this grumpy old man? He picks back up. And he starts going in the altar call, speaking about the things of God, getting people to respond. And all of a sudden, he said, hey, you ushers in the back, that guy in that back corner, get him and sit him down. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. What, is he a madman? That one service, 300 people got born again. And you know what? I saw not a grumpy old man. I saw an old man that understood the fear of God. So in between services, I get to be around him a little more. And he said, you know, I I, I pray throughout the week over my sermon. He said, I lay hands on my Bible, my notes. But he said, as much time as I spend in prayer over my sermons, he said, I pray that long over the altar call. And I thought, this guy understands the fear of God. So I'm sitting at my my table on Friday morning. And the thought comes up within me. This is how God thoughts are. 
And all of you have God thoughts. Sometimes you just don't realize they are. But the Lord said, there's more fear at a movie theater than there is in my house. That he said in the movie theater, people know movie theater etiquette. You turn that phone off because if you don't, the person sitting behind you will help you turn it off. And when we get to the main part of the, the movie, where they're either going to fall in love or they're not, or the mystery's going to be solved, the whole movie theater gets quiet. And there's no whispering going on. And kids aren't running around screaming. And people aren't getting up and going to the bathroom and they're not going to get a drink of water, but yet within the church, we expect God to move in his presence to show up when we treat him worse than we do the movie theater. Some of you say, I knew I shouldn't have come today. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 32. Again, our Heavenly Father doesn't show up where he's not reverenced and honored. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Let me ask people right here. How many of you believe that right there? I, I, I believe that, that, that God made the heavens and the earth by his great power and his outstretched I believe that. There is nothing too difficult or hard for you. I believe that. Verse 18. You show loving kindness to the thousands... And you repay the iniquity or the prolonged sin of the fathers into the bosom or the lap of the children after them. That's a generational curse. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work. For your eyes are, upon, are open to all the ways of the son of men. Let me help you with that statement. God sees everything me and you do. His eyes are open to everything we do. The good, the bad, the ugly. He sees everything we do. To give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. In other words, you're going to reap the consequences of your choices. And it's interesting to me when people get mad at God, but yet all they're doing is reaping the consequences of their choices. And it's almost like, God, I know what you're seeing me do, but you still ought to bless me. Wow. There's no fear of God in that at all. To fear God is to obey God. Same chapter. Pick up with me in verse 38. 
They shall be my people and I will be their God. Now this is God's desire. Verse 39. Then I will give them one heart and one way. Just one. Just one heart and one way. There's not a bunch of ways. There's just one way. So what was the purpose of that? Keep reading. That they may fear me forever. Not just on Sundays. That I don't just fear him for a week or two. I don't just fear him for one or two years. But he said that the fear of God would be etched within me forever. Hmm. Keep reading. For the good of them and their children after them. My choices will impact my children. Whether we like it or not. So I looked at this and I thought again. Is the fear of God etched in my heart so much that it overflows toward my children? Or if I treated the things of God just real casually. You know what? If you want to sleep in and not go to church, it's okay. You know what? You go to church, you know, Dad, I'm too cool to raise my hands. I'm too cool to go to the altar. But yet I read this and I think, could this be why younger generations don't want anything to do with God? Hmm. Verse 40, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Their hearts would be anchored. And the fear of God is the staying power of God. And if you note here, he said, They will not depart from me. That there's something etched within their heart that is off the fear of God that just keeps right there. (laughs) And I believe that needs to be awakened. Now, turn with me, and this is where we'll end with this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, think about what he just said. That they won't depart from me. They'll stay with me forever. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, since a promise remains, a promise remains. So I need to be very careful to embrace the fullness of this promise of entering his rest a place of rest from the Most High. Let us, let us fear. And that's not to be as scared of. Let us fear with the fear of the Lord. Let let us fear. Now, he didn't say let us love, and I'm not downplaying love here, but he said let us fear. Why? 
lest any of you seem to have come short of it. To come short of what? To come short of the, pro of the promise. I don't experience it. I disqualify myself. Now what does all this mean? Well, the start of verse 1, he says, therefore. So the therefore, it goes back to the end of chapter 3. Turn with me there to Hebrews 3, verse 16. Now watch this. For who, having heard, they rebelled. Who was he talking about here? He was talking about the Israelites. So if we go back to the story with the Israelites, remember, God's desire was for them to come into the promised land. But they rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? All of them. From the littlest to the eldest. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? whose corpse fell in the wilderness. They dropped off dead. Why? Because of sin. This was God's chosen people. Verse 18. And to whom did he swear or give an oath that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? You know why they didn't obey him? Because they didn't fear him. So we see that, listen to this, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Who couldn't enter in? God's chosen people. They rebelled, they disobeyed him, and they couldn't enter in. Wow. He fear God. So let me give you a little story here. Many of you will remember this name. There was a minister named Jim Baker, and his wife's name was Tammy Faye Baker. Built an incredible ministry. Just blew up, was huge worldwide. But the problem with success is a lot of times it leads to arrogance. It leads to pride. It gets people off the track. They continued in this ministry for years until they were caught with some things called fraud. These two godly people were involved in sexual sin and fraud. This one time great man of God named Jim Becker was sentenced to prison. He'd been in prison for over four years. And he wrote a letter to a man of God and said, would you please come to prison and visit me? I want to see you. The man of God got there and they began to talk. And Jim Baker said to the man of God, what you're seeing in my life isn't the judgment of God. What you're seeing in my life is the mercy of God because he said, I believe with all my heart, if I would have kept on the track that I was going, I would have spent eternity in hell. The man of God looks at Jim Baker and said, Reverend Baker, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? And he said, I never fell out of love with Jesus. 
I just stopped fearing him. I just stopped fearing him. Wow. Does that describe me today? Does that describe you today? See, I go back to everything we talked about. The fear of God is to hate evil and pride and arrogance. Then I go to Psalm 25. That through the fear of God, it produced all those blessings and attributes. But have, have I forfeited those? And then I go through what happened in the book of Leviticus. Those were men of God who took God casually. Then we see in Jeremiah, he said, the fear, would, the fear of God would keep you from departing. Why don't you stand on your feet here with me? ask you to bow your head right there because I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit's dealing with us. That I won't answer for you and you won't answer for me. But where am I at with God today? I love you, Lord, but I haven't feared you. I can stand before you today and say I, I truly repent if I've come in here and had a casualness about me with the things of God and the reason I say that is when we do that how many people do we cheat from getting born again How many people need miracles and healing, but we don't reverence God. And I say we. We have this thought that just because we showed up, God, you ought to move. But what would happen if we come in here with a fear of God and we reverence his presence? We reverence the anointing. They're getting ready to sing this song and listen. I'm not God. But I do know this, something happens when we respond to God. And if there's conviction going on in your heart right now, that's not from me, that's from God, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and I welcome you to yield to that today to say, that's me, Father God. And you can come to these altars and say, I'm coming before you today, Father God. Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.